Hey winner, welcome to Red Hot Mindset. I am so glad you're here. Today we continue our Boston Marathon Mom series. Each month we'll be chatting with different moms who qualified for the 2020 Boston Marathon, which was postponed to September due to the pandemic, but it was eventually canceled altogether. These women are resilient, and I'm excited to share their struggle victory stories and why the 2020 Boston Marathon would have been their victory run. I was inspired to do this because I know how disappointed I was hearing the news of the cancellation. When you work for years toward a goal only to have it ripped away from you, it can be devastating. We can't always choose our circumstances, but we can choose our attitude toward them. And these runners have chosen to use this disappointment to propel them forward into new goals. Today's guest didn't start her running journey until her 30s post-children. She attempted a few times throughout her life, but it never gained traction for her. Jen Bergstrom never even planned to run a marathon. Now she has seven under her belt, including three Boston qualifiers, but this year would have been her first Boston marathon. She's had to work through multiple injuries and figure out how to get her training in with a busy family and work schedule. Jen is a native Minnesotan in the Minneapolis area. She's been married for 17 years and has two kids, a dog, and a cat. She enjoys running, traveling, and camping. Being from Minnesota myself, up until recently, I am really looking forward to diving into her story today. Sometimes we push our goals to the side because we think we can't have both a good family structure and a big goal, but Jen proves you can have both. By the end of this episode, I think you'll be itching to develop a big goal for yourself if you don't have one already. Let's get chatting. Welcome to Red Hot Mindset. I'm your host, Gabe Cox, and through this podcast, I'm on a mission to help you step into the fire of refinement so you can realize your full potential. I do this by helping you overcome your mental barriers through a faith-based approach of building inner strength and resilience. Each episode, I will bring you thought process, productivity tips, and inspirational stories from everyday people, all so you can move confidently toward your goals. As a running enthusiast, I believe that life is one massive marathon, and it's up to you to run your own race and to finish it well. Step into the fire with me because I know you will come out stronger. Hi, Jen. Welcome to Red Hot Mindset. I'm so glad that you're here today. Hi, Gabe. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I was super excited to find out you were a Minnesotan. I wish that we knew that. If I were in Minnesota still... We could have run the Boston virtual together, but <laughs> that would have been fun. That would have been fun. Um, so before we start, I'd love for you to just share a little bit about who you are, what you do, a little about your family. Yeah, sure. I was um, born and raised here in Minnesota in the Minneapolis area, and um, I am married. I have two children who are 12 and 14, and um, you know, amongst COVID, we're all stuck at home right now. And it's it's fun to be able to hang out with them for more than, um, you know, just after that dinner hour and, and hang out with them all day. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. I, with 12 and 14 year olds, I'm sure they have tons of activities, tons of friends, places they want to go, things they want to do. So I'm sure that family time is really special right now, huh? Yeah, it is super fun. And it's fun to see the kids um, do kind of their own thing, but then, you know, check in throughout the day and and just to be able to see them more is is super exciting. Yeah, yeah, I love that. So tell us a little bit about how you got into running in the first place. I think it's so fun, your story of trying and then not doing it and then trying and then when you actually started. Yeah, so I, I recall back in high school, I attempted to do track for high school. And I just, I didn't like it. I didn't like the running experience. I didn't like um, the feeling of constantly being out of breath. And so I think I eventually just ended up quitting um, high school track. And, um, you know, I figured I gave it a shot and I'm just not a runner. And so in college, I took it up again and I'm like, okay, I'm going to start running because I need something to stay in shape. And you know, I would try to run a couple of driveways and just be exhausted. And I'm like, okay, I have given it two tries and I'm just not a runner. Like, that's okay. I can go to the gym and work out and, and do the elliptical or things like that, but I'm just not a runner. So 
kids happen and trying to go to the gym was no longer feasible and it was just difficult. So, you know, does my husband go and then I stay home and watch the kids or do I go and, and vice versa. So we ended up with a treadmill and I would just get up in the morning and do some walking. And my sister-in-law at the time had taken up running. And so I was like, okay, maybe I'll give it another shot. And so week after week, I would just increase the speed on the treadmill by like a 10th of a mile an hour to where I could slowly ease my way into it. And so I eventually found out that I kind of enjoyed running (laughs) and it was a stress relief. And, um, you know, I just, I took it to the streets and, and it was, uh, you know, kind of me time and it was super, super fun. Yeah. I can relate to that. When I was in high school, I played basketball for the reason that at least there was something keeping my attention instead of running. <laughs> I hated yeah. running. I was like looking at all these cross, cross country people. Cross, how do you say that? Cross country people and going, you guys are crazy. And they were only running what, like two or three miles at a time, you know, it's yep. funny, but the thought of running for fun was not fun. So no. I, I found my love for it in college for the same reason you tried was just to keep in shape and to have something to do because I was ultra athletic and I no longer had my basketball team or something to keep me accountable. So when it came to trying to find that love for running, what do you think it was that kind of kept you from it in those early years? Like, was it really, was it the breathing like you had talked about, or was it just, you just didn't find enjoyment? How do you think you found that enjoyment? I think that's what it, it was, was just the you know, we know now as, as we run that the first two miles are always the hardest because you're trying to get your heart rate um, to a place that it steadies out. And so for me, not knowing that you had to get over some type of um, transition from just being in a, a sedated state to um, a running state was probably just what hindered me because I just didn't like that uncomfortable feeling. Right. Right. It's almost like getting ourselves out of the comfort zone in a way. Yeah. No one likes to do that. We like to have our comfort. We like to be in a place that we know and we trust and all of those things. So I, I can see that. That's so funny. Yeah. Uh, but then you did, you pushed through and you realized, okay, once I get past that little uncomfortable, it actually gets comfortable and fun. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. So, um, but then it took me a long time to get into races. So I probably spent three years dodging my sister-in-law for going, um, or joining her at races because I was like, why would I want to drive somewhere and pay some race fees when I can do it in my backyard for free? And I can be done before you even start your running. Like, you know, why, why leave the comfort of my house to go run somewhere else? So I dodged running for a really long time. Um, I think my first race was in March of 2013. Okay. And so that was roughly three to four years after I started really getting into running and enjoying running. Okay. Yeah. So, so what was your first race, do you remember? Yeah, it was the, the Get Lucky. Oh, cool. So a St. Patty's Day race. And um, it was, it was fun and enjoyable and just that whole race experience starting and finishing the race and accomplishing something with so many other people was super fun and it was addictive and you know who doesn't like a bunch of swag right right so it kind of hooked you right away yeah yep when was your first marathon um my first marathon was in October of 2015 So I swore I was never going to run a marathon. Like I was like, that distance is crazy. Like there is no way I will ever run that distance. Um, But what's funny is I didn't run my first 5k until after I ran my first marathon. So I kind of started with some longer distance races just for the same reason that I spent so long getting to a race was why would I want to get in my car and drive, you know, 40 minutes to go run a three mile race. Like I can just do that in my backyard. 
Right. So, um, I would say the the transition for my running took place in October of 2014 when I ran my first half marathon. Okay. Um, and I ended up running like right around a 10 minute pace. And after completing that, that first half marathon, I was like, gosh, I can do so much better than this. Like, let's just compete against ourselves and see what we can do. Mm -hmm. So, um, grandma's has a half marathon that goes along with that. So that following June, June of 2015, nine months later, I ended up shaving 29 minutes off of my halftime and um, just loved it. Um, th the whole race experience there up in Duluth, Minnesota is so cool. And it's such a pretty, pretty race alongside Lake Superior. So we ended up finishing that race we went out to lunch and and cleaned up afterwards and we went back and saw the marathon runners so you know this is kind of like the back of the pack runners and I was like why would you want to do that like there is no way I'm ever going to run a marathon like no way um so shortly after that race experience in Duluth my sister-in-law had informed me that she had signed up for the Twin Cities Marathon okay. and I was like wow you're amazing like there's still no way I'm going to run a marathon um we had plans later that summer to travel to Florida together um her family and my family and so I was like you know I'll support you in running your marathon and I'll do some of your training with you um but in order for me to physically, I think, be able to help support her in doing her training in Florida, I was like, I need to know that I can run more than 13 miles, um, depending on whatever her training run is. So I went out one day, and it was just an amazing day um, where it was a day that you felt like you could run forever. Like the conditions were right. Your body felt great. Um, so I ended up just going out and I ran 16 and a half miles and I felt super good. Um, and that was at the end of July. And the Twin Cities Marathon takes place at the beginning of October. Mm -hmm. So again, I was like, you know, there's no way, but I'll support her. But after that 16 and a half, I was like, well, gosh, a marathon's only 10 miles longer. And if I'm going to do the training with her, like, why not register? So about 10 weeks out is when I registered and made that commitment to um, run a marathon. So it's just kind of, kind of crazy how it all kind of came about. Yeah. Um, I love and it. And I, I immediately said to myself, I was like, well, gosh, I wonder what a Boston qualifier is. Like, what do I need to qualify for Boston? So, you know, let's not just shift from never running a marathon, but let's just go for it all. Big goals. Yep, exactly. So I sat down and I was like, okay, if I can do grandma's in X time and I double that, that's a 327 and I need a 345. So that's only like 18 minutes more. Like, why not? I can do this, right? Right, right. So during that that first race experience, um, I mean, it was a beautiful morning. It was super exciting. Um, I was running that day with my sister-in-law and my soul sister. And we were so excited because this race obviously is in our backyard. And, you know, we have friends and family and um, they were all there to cheer us on. And so we're super, super excited. I mean, you know, running 26.2 miles is, is daunting at first. And, and it was super thrilling to be able to know the course very intimately and to be able to run it and see friends and family along the way. Mm -hmm. So we we had a game plan that we are all, we're all going to stay in front of the 345 pacer and and we were going to do this and 
and we did well up until about mile 16 when the pacer just kind of sucked me in. Um, and then by about mile 18, I'd hit that dreaded wall and I was like, okay, this isn't what I had planned for. This isn't what I thought the first race experience was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time I saw my, my dad and, and my friend and brother at mile 25, I was almost in tears because I was like, you know, I've come all this way. I swore I was never going to do it. And, you know, just seeing them and in, in the emotion that it, that it brought. And, um, my friend gave me a tap on the butt and said, you know, get moving. And, and so, you know, you turn the corner to go into downtown St. Paul and you see the Capitol and you see that ginormous flag hanging there. And it's such a cool, cool moment. And mm-hmm. I'll never forget it. Yeah, that's so cool. I think Twin Cities Marathon is such a great first marathon too, just because of all the people that are there cheering, all the signs. There's just so much. There's music. There's so many things to distract you from the race itself. So it it helps and just all all the energy that's there that day. So as your first marathon, not even thinking you'd ever run one, when you got to the finish line, because you finished, what, what was your, what were your initial thoughts? Do you remember kind of how you were feeling at the finish line? I don't know that I I recall anything other than crossing that finish line thinking this is a really really cool moment and this is a really cool feeling that I'm going through right now and you know I finished right at four hours so I was like that's not bad like great we can do this again you know so let's give it a shot (laughs) so you did right away you were thinking another one isn't that funny go from never (laughs) to the addiction Yep. Yeah. (laughs) So now I think, I mean, Boston came to mind in your first marathon, you just looked up the qualifications. When did it actually really come into play? When did it become that goal for you? And why was it a goal for you? I think it became a goal for me in marathon number two. um, Because I, I had layered my half mile or half marathon experience on top of my marathon experience and thought, Well, I went, you know, in a course of nine months, I cut out 30 minutes from my halftime. Like, let's just compete against ourselves and see what we can do at grandma's full marathon in June. Like, it's the same amount of time between when I ran my first half and when I ran grandma's half that I was like, I can do this. Like, and, and to be able to run Boston, like to me was again, going from not ever wanting to run a marathon to, you know what, let's just go for all the guts and glory and and let's just do it. Yeah. So I trained, I trained super hard for, for grandmas, but the conditions that first grandmas wasn't really ideal. The, the temperature at the start of the race, it was 75 degrees and and the humidity was in the seventies. It was 2016. Yeah, I was there. I saw you. <laughs> nice. I saw you too. I was cheering. Okay, but I wasn't running that day. Well, I ran the half. But yeah, okay. I what you're saying. So keep going. That was, that was a crazy, crazy year. <laughs> yeah, it was super, super hot. But it was a really cool experience to be up there along the lake again, and to see the crowd support as you come into Duluth was really cool because it's kind of you start out in. Um, two harbors and you're running the lake and you see pockets of of crowd support and pockets of signs and then as you come into Duluth on the northern side and you run through Duluth like that crowd support just gets more and more energizing so from that perspective it was really super cool Um, and I ran really well at the first half of the race but I'm one of those runners that gets up first thing in the morning and gets the run done. So with the race starting at eight o'clock in the morning, and then, you know, you're trying to finish at 11, 11, 30, 12 o'clock, like it was just getting brutally hot and you couldn't, you couldn't escape the sun. Um, 
and so I was able to make it to Lemon Drop Hill. And then after that, I just, I, I fell apart and I, I mentally was drained and, um, I knew I was going to finish, but it just wasn't going to be the race that I thought it was going to be. I thought race number two, I was going to be Q and it just didn't happen. I ended up missing my Boston time by two minutes and 40 seconds. Oh, wow. So it was that's, that's impressive for it being so hot. Cause it ended up being, I don't know when you finished, but I mean, it was nineties. Yeah, it was a, a brutally gross day, but, um, you know, it, it, it gave me hope though, that, you know what, I'm not far off. Like I don't have to do a whole lot, um, to get there. Right. So I decided to rinse and repeat grandma's and did grandma's again in 2017. But again, the race conditions were kind of about the same. It wasn't quite so hot, but, um, you know, the same exact things happened in terms of it was a bright sunny day and you couldn't escape the sun and it was still that later start. And, you know, I missed my time by about three, three minutes and it was like, okay, we got to do something different. Like if you don't shake things up, then you're going to keep getting the same outcome. Right. Um, so I decided to try again. Um, and in October of 2017, so three months later, I decided to run the Mankato marathon and thought, okay, maybe it's not a spring marathon. That's going to get me there. It's going to be a fall marathon when it's a little cooler. You can do your training in the summer heat and then, um, reap the rewards on a nice cool day. Right. Um, so I kind of shook up my training plan a little, um, I went from running six days a week for the other, let's call it two ish marathons since, um, twin cities wasn't really a traditional training plan since I signed up so late. Um, so I went from running six days a week, not doing any stretching or strength work to doing, um, five days a week. But then I, I implemented some yoga and a little bit of stretching, um, and strength. Cause I was like, okay, we got to do something a little different and, um, we'll see what happens. So Mankato marathon came and it was the most beautiful fall morning. It was nice and cool and crisp. Um, it was like 45 degrees that morning. Um, so it was really super fun. Um, I decided to start making a mantra sheet and bringing that with me so that I could just kind of you know, look at each mile and, and think of some type of positive saying to help me, um, get through the 26 miles. Mm -hmm. Um, my husband was there along with my in-laws and my kids. Um, it was my sister-in-law and my soul sister running with me. And so we, we were having a great time. We were all hanging out together. Um, there's a couple of big hills at the beginning of the Mankato marathon that, you know, at one point I was like, Oh my gosh, these Hills are going to kill me already. And, you know, just that super awesome crowd, not crowd support, but like the fellow runners, you know, helping to cheer you on and, and bring you along. And, and I remember just one guy saying, come on, let's, you know, let's get up this Hill. And, and that was, one moment that, that I remember very well during the race, but also mile 18, um, was super pivotal for me. I was ready to throw in the towel again, ready to just say, you know what? Marathons maybe just aren't for me. Boston just may not be achievable. Um, but my husband and my in-laws and kids showed up unexpectedly around mile 18 and, um, I, I will never forget the look on my husband's face and he doesn't realize that his, his look, um, made me change my mental state. It said a million different things. in that one look like, I'm proud of you. I love you. You have this keep going. 
Um, but most of all, it screamed at me, like, don't you dare, don't you dare give up on your dream. Don't you dare throw in the towel, um, again, because you have done all of the work that it takes to get to where you want to go. Um, and I took off, I took off and started chasing people down and fishing people in. And, um, uh, I made it all the way to mile 25 and the back half of this particular marathon course, there is no crowd support because they're all at the finish line. So you get really close to the finish and then they kind of have you do a loop off to the side and nobody's on that loop because they all want to see their, um, family and friends finish and cross the finish line. So you go from having this crowd support to not having any crowd support. And it just messed with my mental head. And so I started walking a little bit and then the pacer passed me and I was like, okay, like as I watch the pacer, his name is Pete. So as I watch pacer Pete, um, go further and further in front of me, I'm like, there, there goes Boston. Like I'm just walking, watching Pete run in front of me. And I'm like, he's getting further and further away. But I looked at my watch and I was like, wait a second, he is far ahead of where I think he should be. Like, I can still do this. I got this. Um, so I picked up the pace and I started running. Um, I gave it my all and I missed within 38 seconds. And, you know, I just beat myself up at the, at the finish line thinking, if I hadn't walked or if I hadn't walked as long as I had, like it would have happened, but you know, things are meant to be. I learned a lot. I learned that I could do it. I learned that the last half of the marathon is all mental Mm -hmm. and you have to stay, stay mentally strong. Um, and it, it helped my mindset to, to go to a can do like, I can do this rather than thinking, well, I might be able to do it to, to just kind of make that shift. Like we got this. Right. Right. We got that's, this. That's, that's, that's a great mindset. And it's the fact that knowing 6.2 miles is not about the physical strength as much as it is about the mental strength and that fortitude to keep going and the resilience and our body says stop, but our mind or heart can can do it. Yeah. Um, our body can do more than what our mind tells it sometimes. So I think that's, that's really, really great that you had that. So I would love to hear from you just a little bit about how, because you learned it was mindset. You learned that that last six and 0.2 miles was all heart. So what did you do about that for uh, marathon number five, right? That would be the, yep. next, um, how did you break some of these mental barriers that you were having? What were they? <laughs> Yeah. So I listened to some podcasts and learned about Alex Hutchinson, who um, talks a lot about the mind being um, able to overcome many different things. So he calls it the governor theory. And, um, you know, I, I started looking into that and really trying to understand how you can push yourself a lot further than you think you can physically. And the body is going to um, try and tell you that you're going into a place that you shouldn't, but it's not going to hurt you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I just kind of took that to heart and, and thought, you know, you can only get better if you get into that uncomfortable state Um, and to be okay with that comfortable state, as long as you're not like in physical pain, like you can, you can overcome it. And, um, you know, so I, I tried to stay super positive as I started to train for marathon number five. Um, one of the things that, that occurred during marathon number five was Boston changed their, um, standards but I also aged. So my standards still stayed at 345, which is great. Um, And so I ended up going to Fargo, North Dakota, and trying to run their their pancake flat 
um, loop. And so I was super excited. I was like, I don't have to worry about hills. Like it's going to be this, this great race. And I, I changed my mindset through the training process to say, we're, we're doing this. Like it wasn't a matter of if, as it was with the first four marathons, it was a, this is going to happen. Um, and so I ended up making these note cards that um, had different slogans on them or different sayings on them. Again, rather than just having one mantra sheet, I had note cards that I actually carried with me. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was super fun. Like the first one was Toy Story and, and you know, Buzz Lightyear is telling Woody, we're going to go out and run 26.2 miles for the fun of it. And, you know, just different positive up um, lifting sayings that I could read to my sister-in-law and soul sister as we're chasing this dream. Mm-hmm. Um, so the winds weren't necessarily super good to us that year. Um, it's a loop. So if the winds are out of one direction, like it's going to hit you at some point in time. And so the unfortunate thing is they were 20 mile an hour winds and they were winds on the back half as you're trying to head back to, um, the dome. And I was like, we're, we're, I gave my family um, a pace card telling them exactly where I was going to be and when I was going to be there so that they could plan their um, travel around the course accordingly. And I remember seeing them at the first stop and I said, throw out the plan. Like we're going out super fast because we want to allow the wind to carry us a little bit further and take advantage of it and have us kind of push us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, obviously isn't what you want in a marathon. You should start out a little bit slower and, and, um, you know, finish faster. Um, but, you know, I continued to just stay positive and, um, made it to that back half. So mile, mile 20, um, we started running North so that we could head back to the Fargo dome and the wind was just crazy. And I, I just kept saying to myself, it's like a warm butter knife, you know, trying to slice butter, like we're, we're doing this and, and the wind is not going to stop us. And, um, I remember running through downtown Fargo and we had to take one turn and it was like, you literally ran into a wind tunnel and <laughs> this girl next to me were like, where what what are we supposed to do? It's like, you're putting all of this effort and you're not going anywhere. Right. Um, but I didn't let it discourage me. Um, I continued to, to run. I knew that my family was going to be, um, you know, roughly around mile 23. And I said, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. Like we're, we're not stopping. Um, so I remember seeing my husband and kids towards um mile 23 and I almost yelled to my husband get out the checkbook like this is happening and I was like okay maybe I don't want to jinx it just yet um so you know I kept fighting through those final miles and and I did it I crossed that finish line I had a three um 336 cushion I didn't think it was going to be enough but it it still kind of got that monkey off my back. Like I can do it. And, um, it was, it was really cool. My sister-in-law and, um, my soul sister, we all crossed the finish line at different times, but we all be cute. And so it was, it's really super fun to look back at those pictures and think that, that we all accomplished, uh, a great race that day. Super fun. That's so cool. Yeah. Because what's your, what was your qualifying time? 345? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I think that's yeah. really cool. And did you feel like you were mentally stronger in that race than you had been in the past ones? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, whether it was the mantra cards, whether it was, you know, understanding the governor's theory a little bit more, um, or the governance theory, um, 
it's hard to say exactly what it was, but I went into that race with such a positive attitude, thinking that we can do this and, and accomplish what we want and accomplish our goals that, um, it just seemed so much easier than the other marathons. So that fall in September, when, when it came to registering for Boston, it was kind of fun. Um, we just kind of all got on the phone together and registered together. And, um, then, you know, obviously later on in September, we had learned that none of us had been accepted just because the cutoff time was almost five minutes that year. So, um, you know, even though we all be cued, we didn't hit that, hit that cutoff. So. Right. Oh, and how did that, I mean, what was, what did that do to you? How disappointing was that? Um, you know, I, I had these visions going into Fargo. I was like, okay, I'm turning 40 this year. It's going to be such a great birthday. Like I'm going to find out on my 40th birthday, I'm getting in Boston. Mm-hmm. And it was just the opposite. I found out on my 40th birthday that I did not get into Boston, but, um, you know, it's, you have to enjoy the journey. Right. Um, and know that it's, it's all part of your story and it's how you get to, um, run that iconic marathon. That's, you know, so important. So, you know, right. We gave it another shot. Awesome. Yeah. And I want to, before we go on to your next, cause we, you have two more races I want to talk about. Um, one of the struggles you had said you had was belief in yourself doing it, belief in yep. knowing you can. Um, when was the point where you started believing it? Was it at that race number five or was it before or after? I would say when, um, it, it, somewhere between race number four and race number five, okay. like race number four being 38 seconds shy was like, okay, I can do it. So I went into the Fargo training, um, cycle and I was like, we're going to crush it. So I had a couple of races, like a 10 mile race and a half marathon that I did as part of my training cycle for Florida or for Fargo. And I PR both of those races. And I was like, we are just, we're doing this. Like, we're not going to give up. We're not going to give in. Like this is our year and and we're going to accomplish our Boston dream. I love that. I love that. And because I think part of it is that belief. We have to have that belief in ourselves because otherwise we can sometimes negate it or we won't do the things that we need to do in order to get there. Um, yep. Kind of self-sabotage. So that's yeah. huge. And I think it's cool that you had that belief coming into race five or even during race five, because once you did it, you knew you could do it again. Yep. So, and even though you didn't hit the BQ that was going to get you to Boston, you knew you were going to get there, right? Yep. yep. So tell me... Um, about your sixth marathon because I believe this one would have gotten you into Boston but you had seven you had two that would get you into Boston yeah yep so um spring of 2019 I decided that not only was I going to BQ um and attempt to get into into Boston but I was also going to become a marathon maniac um, I was like, if we're going to do this, let's just do it and, and be done. So I had registered for three races, one in the middle of May, one for the end of May. And then again, grandma's marathon. My thought process was we're going to train super hard for the Wolvagon marathon that was in the middle of May. And then, you know, we just need to accomplish or complete the other two in order to become that marathon maniac. Like I don't need to run crazy marathons for the other two to be able to, to achieve that goal. Mm-hmm. So we did all of the training that, that we needed to for Wolvegun. Um, I had kind of tweaked things up a little bit. Um, I went back to running you know, five, six days a week. But then I also had some more strength and yoga that I did on top of that to help just really build that strong foundation. Um, 
one of the things that also happened just before Wolbegon was the standards again changed. So now I need a 340 instead of a 345. But that particular day was was super nice from a temperature standpoint, but the wind was once again not necessarily where we wanted it. So the last half of the marathon, um, we were running into the headwinds the entire time. So I just kind of had the mindset of we're going to do this. We're just going to tuck behind people and, and conserve energy. And um, we're going we're gonna to figure out how we, how we finish this marathon and, and we still get a BQ. Um, so I ended up finishing Wolbegon in a 107. And I was excited about that or I'm sorry, with a cushion of 107. Yeah. Um, I was super excited about that, but I just, with them changing standards and not exactly knowing what that cutoff was going to be, I was super, super nervous. And I didn't feel confident that a cushion of 107 was going to be enough. Right. So with it being the first of three marathons, um, I knew I had to do something different if I, if I wanted that Boston goal and I knew marathon maniacs could, could, um, wait. So there was a coach that was on the sidelines at the Wolbegon marathon cheering on, um, participants that he coached. And so I ended up reaching out to him just to get a different perspective, like, how do I go from running Wolbegon in the middle of May to running grandma's 42 days later and shaving time off and not getting injured and, and achieving my ultimate goal? Mm -hmm. um, I think that was probably one of the smartest moves that I did was hiring that coach because I don't think I would have been able to. Um, successfully do what I did in Duluth without having somebody hold me accountable to slowing down my pace and not running as many miles. I probably would have tried to peak and have a 20 mile run in between those two marathons. And, and so it was, it was nice to have a coach to help me, help me get there. Yeah. That's awesome. So what did your coach I, have you do? Um, you know, we ended up taking two weeks of just kind of recovery, um, which I think I would have done, but then I don't think I ran more than 16 miles in between those two marathons and, um, we kept it super light and super easy. And he gave me the confidence that I needed to know that I wasn't going to lose it. Mm -hmm. that everything that I had done to get me through Wolbegon was still going to be there um, in June when I ran grandma's. Right. Right. Yeah. That's important. Cause it, it, we do think like that, like, well, what if I taper too long or what if I don't add speed or if I don't do this or if I don't do that, but it's really about training smart and sometimes training smart means we need to rest and refuel so we can come out there and explode in that race. So grandma's, your seventh marathon, how did you finish? So I finished um, shaving off five minutes and 22 seconds from Wolbegon. So over those 42 days and simmering my, my training schedule helped me achieve that goal. And I mean, the, the weather was fantastic up there. It was just a picture perfect day. We had a slight tailwind. Um, it was just super fantastic. And um, it was super fun to see friends and family and coworkers cheering me on through my phone or through my watch. And, you know, I couldn't necessarily see what they were saying as it would pop up on my watch, but they would, they, they were there they were cheering me on and my nephew at mile 23 and a half and my nephew gave me a quick fist bump and he said, everybody's rooting for you. And that just gave me so much gas. And, um, you know, normally at that 
time in grandma's, I would have been walking, you know, that's just after Lemon Drop Hill. And, and I just, I, it, it was so cool. Um, I missed seeing my coach at mile 20. But when I made it there, you know, he said, when I see you at mile 20, we're going to, you know, just have a short conversation. We're going to see, you know, about a body check and then you're going to go on. And so I was like, okay, where's coach? Where's coach? I don't see him. Um, so I said, we're going to do this body check. We feel great. Like, okay, then we're going to pick up the pace and, and keep going. And so I ended up running a slower half and my splits just kept getting faster and faster. And the really cool thing about that race experience was I learned what it felt like to run that 6.2 miles with my heart rather than with my body. And that is a moment and an experience that I'll never forget. And seeing my husband um, around mile 25 um, as I'm coming into that finishing corral area um, up in Duluth was was super fun. I just kind of chucked my water bottle at him and, and was just in a place where I was like, this is the coolest experience ever. Yeah. Um, and so when I crossed that finish line, I was like, okay, this is cool. I did it. Like, this is really cool. And my dad called me and he goes, you just ran like a 334. And I'm like, what? Like, how is that possible? That's so much more than I thought I, I would shave off. That's awesome. That, and I think it's the power of the mind, the power of the rest, and, and actually the power of a coach, because the coach can tell you, I mean, we will work ourselves and forget how we're working ourselves. The coach will know how to train us. So I think those three things combined um, got you to that peak moment. And I think that's really, really special and definitely something to be proud of. Uh, accomplishing a huge goal that was, you had a goal, you never had a goal of running a marathon, you had a goal of running Boston, to it taking a few tries to get there, and now this moment. And I know there were struggles in between that as well. One we already talked about was the belief in yourself that you now have. And I'm sure this is going to, the thing that I love about running is it has, there's so many life lessons in there. And we push ourselves to be better, but it actually helps and kind of streams into all other parts of our lives, right? So our discipline and our routines and, and just our confidence, it can, it can go into other areas. And I love that about running. Um, I know that you had some struggles with injuries along the way um, and just balancing because you started running when you were a mom. So you did yep. running really until you had kids and you had a busy schedule. So tell me a little bit about those struggles and kind of how you worked with them um, to be able to do your training and to get into the, all these marathons. And Yeah, so I did, I, I was a am still a morning runner, so I will get up um, you know, before COVID at, at 4.30 in the morning to get my run in and, and still make it to work on time and make it home for dinner. Um, so it very much a, a morning runner. And I knew if I didn't get my run done in the morning that it just wouldn't happen because the demands of, you know, getting dinner on the table or helping kids with homework or straightening up the house or whatever those, those demands were, were going to take hold. And, and then you find every excuse not to get those miles in and, and get your run done. Um, but then that also came with a lot of mom guilt because, you know, I'd be so tired at, at nine fifteen at night that it was like, okay, I got, I got to go to bed. And, you know, even though the kids are going to bed right now, I also need to climb into bed and go to bed with them so that I can um, recover and be able to do those miles that next day. Right. You have, <clears throat> Ooh, excuse me. Um, the mom guilt is huge. And I know I've experienced it. I'm sure most of the listeners have experienced it. Um, so what, what were some of the things that you did to try and alleviate that guilt? Yeah. Um, so I think for me, it's just knowing that even though you're a mom and, and you love your children and you love your family so much that you still need to do something for yourself so that you are holistically um, 
there for them and you're you're teaching them that it's good to have goals and sometimes you're going to have a hard time reaching those goals but um you still have to fight for them mm -hmm. and you know if you can believe that you can do something then you know you can achieve whatever you believe yeah absolutely i think that's a huge lesson to teach our kids and i always say i want them looking at me it, rather than looking elsewhere. I want to be yeah. an example. And I think it, even though it was a victory for you to hit your uh, Boston qualifying time, I bet you anything it was a victory for your kids and your husband too. Would you say so? I, I would say so mainly because um, I know when I went to my daughter's conferences, um, a few weeks after I had registered and, and got, got accepted into Boston that, um, my daughter's teacher had made the comment she goes your daughter is so excited for you to go to boston and run boston that you know it, it just it's a moment that i'll never forget and um also for my husband to be able to you know come we were going to go out as a family to boston in this past april to to have that whole experience we were going to pull the kids from school and um, it was going to be this, this great, like celebration, like mom got her dream and, and she gets to run Boston and, and we're going to do this as a family and celebrate. Right. Yeah. So come spring 2020, we're training, yeah. we're in the midst of training, almost done. And then we have a pandemic that shuts down everything. Boston gets postponed, not canceled. So there's a little hope. Um, probably not much hope. I'm sure most of us were kind of thinking it would happen. Um, so once it, once it officially, they made the announcement that it was officially canceled, uh, for this year, what were your initial thoughts or emotions? Yeah. Like you said, it, it wasn't necessarily a big shock, but it was a huge letdown. Like, you know, even if we were going to be able to run it in September, like it wasn't going to be the same experience that we dream about running when we think about running on Patriots day. But, you know, I kept telling myself that, you know, we're the 25,000 people who will ever be able to say that they ran Boston in September. So like, that's still really cool. Um, but when they, they canceled it and not necessarily knowing right away, like what that meant, like, can we run, you know, still, are they going to defer us or what does, what does the fact that I, I worked so hard and ran seven marathons to get there? What does that mean? Or what does that look like? Um, you know, it, it was a world of emotion. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think, um, well, one, your sixth marathon where you only had the 107 and then you hit the other one. I think the time was like 139 to get in. So the fact that you were like, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it again and to make sure I'm there. Yeah. Um, and then you have this huge cushion and now there's still the unknown of what's going to happen because now my dream of Boston 2020 is no longer, do I get a chance at 2021? And I think all of us have those feelings of where does this leave us? Because we've worked so hard for these things. And especially as a first time Boston um, goer, your first experience, yeah. um, I'm sure it's a little bit heartbreaking in that essence. I know that you most likely will be at 2021. You're going to reapply, right? I, I will reapply. I'm, I'm not, I, I'm in this weird mindset where I'm not entirely confident that I will get in just with the way that they're changing some of the the window especially but you know I'm trying to remain positive that FAQs still need to come out so that we can understand what does it mean to have a two-year um, window in terms of qualifying times and you know it is what it is at the end of the day and I will get to Boston. So if it's not in 2021, maybe it's 2022. And, you know, I, for me, 
running Boston is running Boston with my sister-in-law and my soul sister. And if we can't all be there in 2021, then I'm okay with waiting until 2022. Like it, that would be my ultimate victory run is, is running with those two moms, um, along my side. Right. And I think it's so cool that you have that little posse that you guys all have the same dream and you can train together essentially and run these races together. How encouraging that is. And just to have that accountability, it's, it's really special. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah. That's cool. So maybe Boston 2021 will be your victory run. If not, I can definitely see be at Boston 2022 because you will get there. You have the drive, you have the resilience, you now have the mental training to get it done. Um, and so I'm really proud of you and I'm excited for you. Um, now, when it comes to the virtual, are you going to run the virtual? Did you sign up today? I guess today, yep. this is coming out after that. So today means like a long <laughs> time ago, but. <laughs> yes, I, I registered for the virtual. I wasn't going to run it at first. Um, and then my sister-in-law kind of um, just made a comment like, why, why wouldn't you? And so I was like, yeah, why wouldn't I? So. Yeah. Um, I am going to run the virtual with my soul sister and we're going to meet my sister-in-law partway through the virtual and she's going to run with us and um, it, it'll just be a a fun run. It'll be a fun 26.2 miles. That'll be fun. Well, and you can say you were a part of history because really it's kind of a stinky year and a stinky year for history, but (laughs) as far as Boston Marathon has never been canceled in 124 years. So we, it is an epic year to be a part of and to say, Hey, I was a part of that. And I got yeah. Boston virtual, even though I hate virtual races, but that's okay. It's, it's yep. still going to be special and it's going to be epic. Um, and it's really yeah. what we make of it because we can, we can pout or be disappointed and we can for a while. Cause I was disappointed, but then we just kind of got to get up and go again and, and make the best of what we have because there's, everyone else is in the same situation, right? Everyone else yeah. canceled on them and, and disappointments. And, um, we just need to make the best of that. Um, yeah. so in closing, if you were to give any listeners who are working toward a goal, but they don't quite believe in themselves to accomplish it, what would be the piece of advice that you would give to them? I would tell them or encourage them to stay positive and to believe that, um, you can achieve your goal. Um, part of that is if you start the finish line, unsure of how you are going to finish that race, then you've already lost, um, that race. And so you need to start believing that you can achieve it and that your dream is just, you know, X number of miles away and, and you have what it takes to, to get you there. Cool. I love that. I do also believe if you have a dream, there's a reason you have it. And I think mm-hmm. if not you, why, I mean, if not, why not? Why not you really yep. you have that dream? If there's a burning passion inside of you, there's a reason it's there. So we have to, we have to do something with it. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Just building that confidence and really believing at the start for the finish and having that confidence right away. So, well, Jen, this has been so fun. I love getting to chat with a fellow Minnesotan. I guess I'm now a Coloradoan. I don't know how you say that. Coloradan, Coloradoan, (laughs) but I'm at heart because that's where I was born and raised and forever. Um, So, but this was really fun. Thank you for sharing your story and for being a part of this podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This conversation with Jen was so fun. It was exciting to hear all the different stories of her marathons and how she went from not a runner, not wanting to be a runner really, to becoming a runner, falling in love with it, never wanting to run a marathon, to running seven marathons and qualifying for Boston or with qualifying times three times. And this year would have been her victory Boston run. I love the resilience that she has and that she exudes. I love that she was driven to work on that mental training to get her to the finish line well.
And I also love that her sixth marathon, even though she qualified, she knew that she needed a bigger buffer. So instead of just sitting back and going, I hope this is enough, she decided to give it a go one more time and to crush her personal best. I hope you enjoyed this conversation today. I look forward to having more of these every month for you as we dive into mom victory stories and we get to share and celebrate with them. If you're interested in hearing a little bit more about my journey to Boston, uh, pick up a copy of Mind Over Marathon, Overcoming Mental Barriers in the Race of Life. It's my book that released last fall and it's all about taking a dream from the beginning to the finish line. So it's not really about running. It's not just for runners, but I use the analogy of qualifying for the Boston Marathon and the success principles and the mental training that it took to hit that big dream that I had. I wanna encourage you to go after a big dream that you have on your heart and to pursue it with all that you have because it is totally worth it. You are worth it and I believe in you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I had a great time and I hope you did too. Before we go though, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite listening platform if you haven't already. This will make sure you have access to all future episodes so you don't miss any of them. If you resonated with this episode, please consider leaving a review on iTunes or Spotify as reviews are an important part of growing this podcast and helping it reach the listeners who would love to add it to their library. If you have any friends or family who you think would enjoy this podcast, be sure to take a screenshot and share it with them. If you're not a part of the free Red Hot Winners online community, consider joining us. It's a community built to provide support, mindset, and encouragement as you go after your biggest goals. And we can continue today's conversation over there. Head on over to www.redhotmindset.com to check out the show notes and find the link to join the community. I hope you step into the fire with me each and every episode because I know you will come out stronger. That's all for now. Talk with you real soon. Bye, winner.